a rich tradition. College Football Podcast is now live. Hello and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Stoutenpole. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. Roberto, my friend, how are you? Man, I'm great. Um, I'm on spring break this week. Um, it is April 6th, so um, things are going well. Uh, one of my closest friends, uh, Ashley Seldenpole, um, she is in town for the week. She flew down from Wisconsin, and uh, we've been hanging out. Tomorrow we're going to go play around a round of golf. Um, so, yeah, man, it's been going great. It really is. Well, that's fantastic. I was just having a conversation with someone earlier today who is a golf guy, uh, works as one of the golf pros here in town, and mm-hmm. he was mentioning that, yes, people still come and play golf while the Masters is happening. I and, do it um, I do it every he, year. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah. So he was uh, – there was sort of the, the humor of – Man, you people are coming and, you know, people have it DVR'd and they want to go back and watch it later. They don't keep up with it, you know, during the day, you know, blah, 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 all those things. Uh, lots of older folks, I guess, would come in and go still continue to go golfing during the Masters. It just sounds funny that most golfing people would want to be watching the Masters. But then again, the coverage of the event is really weird anyway. They start at like 830 in the morning, but the coverage doesn't start till three o'clock in the afternoon. It's always been very weird to me. And that might not be the exact timing of everything but it's something along those lines no no it it is weird because like tomorrow tomorrow today's like i said april 6th tomorrow the master starts we'll we'll, we tee off at like 11 10 11 15 um we will but i'll have my phone on the entire time plugged up to the cart while like we'll be watching the games that we can um but 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 you, you are right because um you know tomorrow right now for on espn plus there's like Possibly three different um, things going on at, at I think at like eight twenty five, nine thirty, and eleven ten, and all of those are like certain certain groups of people um, or an amen amen corner, like a collection of three holes. Like it it doesn't seem like until maybe until Friday or Saturday, until after the first cut, that there's actually going to be a way to watch every single group tee off from every hole or something like that. Like it, it is like, I give you, I give you all the credit there. It, like it is kind of frustrating in that regard. Um, I guess the, uh, what exclusive they want it, you know, we're not going to give you everything. We're going to, um, the less is more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I also think it's because there's so many golfers on, on those first two days. Like that, that would yeah, be I mean, my the, the 91 people. Yeah. Yeah, so, so there's just so many. Um, just uh, out there, go Zach. Hope Zach Johnson does well. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a kid with Valdosta ties that's there. I think graduated from Lowndes High School. He's Austri- He's he's from Austria, but he's he's playing in his first Masters uh, tomorrow as well. So um, nice local flavor there. Do you know yeah. his name? Yep, Sepp Straka. Oh, that's a weird name, but okay, that's he a unique would- name. Golf Digest had him as the 56th out of the 91 players. Okay. So, um, so yeah, he's and and the 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 teaching pro that I was talking to this morning, Justin Sigmund's his name, uh, head teaching pro out at uh, Stone Creek Golf Club here in Valdosta. Was uh, he mentioned that if Sepp is playing the his best golf, he could absolutely win the whole thing. So, and uh, Justin, or, yeah, Justin was saying that there's about 30 people. He says it's a really deep pool this year. About thirty mm-hmm. different golfers that could have a chance, and it was nice to hear Sepp is uh, Sepp could be one of those guys. Obviously, it's very unlikely a, a rookie playing their first Masters hasn't won since the seventies. So, um, yeah, so it's uh, not not likely, but if he's playing well enough, he's capable of of doing the whole thing. Yeah, like I, just, I know that this is not a golf podcast, but just just really but quick, d- first, just dive into it. Yeah, just just, just, just we're, we're already more, here. Just, just a couple more minutes. Okay. Yeah, we just are. Go. We are. All right, so. Uh, so, so every year master's week, uh, I, I try to find around try to play around a golf. Uh, we're, like I said, we're playing tomorrow and tomorrow is the best day to play, especially if, you know, cause Ashley and I are going to spend probably the rest of the time watching. Um, and, uh, I, I have had the privilege of going, I've been to the masters, uh, went on a Saturday. Um, it, it was, it was awesome. It was one of the greatest sporting events I've ever been to. Um, it is, it is unlike, you know, and I know everyone says this. But like I, I've had the privilege of being, I've I've had privilege of going to the Super Bowl. I've gone to the Final Four for basketball. I've been to 
um, so many different events. I've been to an LSU game, which will, which is important because we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, but and I've been to some awesome Georgia games. Been to a Packers game in the snow or in the snow at night. Like it, it has been. I've had so many cool experiences. But I don't know if I've had a better just fan experience than going to the Masters. And it has to do with one single premise. Do you know what that premise is, Spencer? Uh. Your cousins with Zach Johnson. <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with that. Zach Johnson, that's actually a controversial year for him. Uh, he was he originally made the cut, but then they told him uh, either after he had already played or the next day that he missed the cut because they had to add a stroke or two to him because in a replay, they watched a replay and a little droplet of water came off of his club before he struck a ball, meaning that he when he was practice swinging, he touched water, and you're not allowed to do that. Um but anyway, no, it's because of the fact that you are not allowed to have your cell phone at all. Yeah. Like on the premise, on the premises. Right. And, right. and so you are, you truly are dialed in. You either are either watching golf or talking to someone around you about golf or eating one of the incredible sandwiches <laughs> that are available to you. Well, um, I was going to ask egg salad sandwich or uh, pimento cheese. Uh, neither the, the chicken sandwich. Oh, I, I I thought that those were the only two sandwiches available. I didn't realize there was a chicken sandwich. Yes, there's a chicken sandwich, and I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of egg salad or pimento cheese. So, um, well, that and it's a weird combination of like is. cheese and eggs are not a great thing to have in the yeah. heat of a hundred percent. And then and then you have like all these people like people walk out because every time you buy a drink, um, and and every, all the food and stuff is there is super cheap. It's pretty because it's so expensive just to go to a t- get a ticket to go. But like you have all yeah, you they've know, already robbed you before you. <laughs> Yeah, you get you get a commemorative cup, like the mm. small green cup, and so like you'll have people, man, walk around with like twelve or thirteen cups just stacked on each other. Um, yeah, I guess people leave them sitting around. Yeah. Um. So so anyway, I, I, I'm I, all that to say, like the Masters is just one of those one of the coolest experiences, and man, I wish I wish I I had the the funds, the resources to take all of my friends to to a Masters event one time, because uh, I was just lucky to get invited the one time I did, but. It is so cool because, again, you are just so dialed in because there's nothing else to do. There is no phone. There's no distraction. And um, also, just a word to the wise, please wear sunscreen because there's not a ton of trees <laughs> where, where you're sitting. Um, but anyway, Spencer, it has been it has been a while. Um, it, when this podcast comes up, I don't know. Maybe we'll have one of the episodes that, we, that we've recorded to put up. Um, but we're now getting into the the thick of things as far as spring and some, you know, we're waiting for all the games to get over with before we have uh, transfer Palooza, which is expected to happen in the first week of May. Um, what I mean, what are what are some things that you've heard or some, some things that you're excited about with uh, with the spring practices going on? Well, it sounds like I've not really gotten a good beat on who's winning any of the battles yet, but I think mm-hmm. that is a um, quarterback battles. Uh, but I think that that's a oh, – what's, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I think you're not going to hear who's winning battles because quarterback or coaches don't want there to be a, le- a winner. You know, They want to keep things as tight as possible, as tight-lipped as possible in terms of who's winning what jobs because they want to try to minimize transfers. So yeah. they're not going to end and tell a guy, yeah, you, you've lost the job already, and then they give that guy more time to consider transferring out. Like the uh, – it, that doesn't sound super fair to the player, but at the same time, I mean, the coaches have got to try to do something to create depth on their roster at a very important position. Um, I mean, Georgia got lucky with JT Daniels going down and, and Stetson Bennett being a viable option. What happens if Bryce Young goes down? Yeah. Uh, what happened if he would have went down last year? What happens if the kid at uh, Ohio State had gone down last year? Like, do they have a backup that's capable of coming in? And speaking of Ohio State, a third-string quarterback won them their last national championship because they had some depth at those positions. Uh, in today's day and age, is Cordell Patterson not Cordell Patterson? That's uh, a Cordell Jones. Mm-hmm. You know, is he still going to be on the roster at that point? So, yeah, I've not heard a lot about who's winning and who's losing because I think that's a product of the transfer portal that coaches want to keep that uh, under wraps. Yeah, I more than usual. Yeah, no, no, uh, I, I think that's good. Um. You know, you, you, of course, we talked about this. Um, you know, DJ apparently, DJU is looking really good. Um, but of course he is, you know. Um, I don't know if we would be told if he wasn't. Um, uh, the, the thing, this is something very small. Um, but 
it's just something that caught me off guard because I've I've been trying to watch as many spring games as I can. Um, I've watched about four or five of them right now, but the one that stood out to me, I just wanted to make mention of this, is Syracuse. Um, Syracuse um, has changed their offensive coordinator and gone to a new, more pro style offense. And for those that don't know, like why this is a big deal, Robbie, you know, at Syracuse, you know, they're they're not very good. But he, here's the thing. Dabo Babers, Dino Babers, has done a really good job of bringing in talent to the university, to, to Syracuse. And he has been running this like run and gun, fun and gun, however you want to call it, spread offense, very fast paced offense for about since he's gotten there. Like, I mean, heck, even in his presser, like he's, he said, close your eyes and just imagine the fastest offense on the field, you know, fastest offense in the country. And he's all been about all speed and, and it's not gone very well. And and he he has had a lot to do with the offensive mentality. And what he has done now is he has allowed someone new to come in and be the new offensive coordinator and the focus mm-hmm. new the like the new brand new offensive concept. Which you know is pro style. We're not we're not we're not you know that's not a new thing. But watching Syracuse run a pro style offense and it actually look pretty dang stellar was was awesome. Like it's just little things like that that made me really excited for this upcoming season just because. Like, man, what if what if Syracuse is actually really good? You know, I'm not saying they're going to win the ACC, but actually competent again and, and a, 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 a competent, competitive opponent for the rest of the teams in the ACC. I mean, didn't they win 10 games in his first or second year? Yeah. I mean, they beat Clemson. So. Uh, and and the, the, the collapse or the not playing well for them over the last couple of years has been sort of a big surprise. So. This, I would imagine, is sort of a last-ditch effort to – or it, I say last-ditch effort. It will possibly be his last effort. If if this doesn't catch on, then he may be in, uh, he may oh, be yeah. in trouble. I, I think that move was definitely a a, a job-saving move because if, if you don't – if you make this change and it still doesn't work, I don't think I, – I, I don't think that they're going to – I don't think he's going to be there much longer. Right, right. But it was just – like I said, it was just cool – it was cool to see a pro, you know, see this Syracuse running a pro style offense, which they haven't done his entire time being there. So, yeah, his uh, normal offense being that, uh, you know, that fast paced running gun sort of mm-hmm. take, a, take, you know, step aside, let somebody else uh, have a go at it, put your ego aside, that sort of stuff. So, uh, could be could be a big deal. We, obviously, we've we've talked about Kirby, we've talked about Nick Saban before, sort of evolving their offensive perspectives, and maybe. Um, Dino Babers is saying to himself, all right, maybe we need to evolve a little bit to a a spot that's not so that's not so much of one thing. Speed, 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 speed. Let's let's yeah. balance it out a little bit more. Yeah. Um anything else? Anybody else? You're just kind of like you've heard some things or you, you just want to make mention? Uh Bob Bowlesby is stepping away as Big 12 mm-hmm. commissioner later this year. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Uh it yeah. sounds like he's gonna stay a part of the Big 12 in some some sort of capacity. He's 70 years old, so he could be getting close to stepping away. But Bob Bowlesby also has a big hand, I think, with the Rose Bowl. So him, if he's moving towards getting out of the sport, that could be interesting for playoff expansion because, of course, the Rose Bowl has been a big proponent of, as well as the other bowls, have been big proponents of sort of limiting or uh, having a heavy hand in, uh, you know, gumming up the works for expansion. So if Bob Bowlesby is out, Maybe that changes a little bit, or begins to change a little bit of the the stance for the uh, for the Rose Bowl, or um, just the whole picture for uh, expansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know what, man? Like the the um, oh my gosh, the guy before him, and I can't remember his name for the life of me right now. But one of the big reasons why he was left, or why they wanted him out the door, is because Nebraska, uh, Nebraska, and um. Uh, Colorado left, left the big 12. And, and so now um, it has kind of, we're, we're kind of seeing the same thing where Oklahoma and Texas leave. And now, now Bowlesby is the one to head out. And, and there's just a lot of transition, a lot of change going on within that conference as we've talked about, you know, talked about numerous times already. Um, but I, I just, I find it incredibly interesting to see what's going to happen because who wants that job and if the person, whoever does want that job, can they do it well? Can they do it well? And they can they make the Big Twelve not competent again? Because we're t- we're two years away from them competing to being in being in uh, the playoff. You know, like I-, I just think 
what the Big 12 needs is a conference that's going to continue to fight for them, but more than anything, fight for expansion. You you've got to fight for expansion because you you need you need to be stop you need to stop being part of one of the situations where a two conference team or two team or two two teams from the same conference or one of the conferences getting left out every single playoff. Like it, it's got it's got to it, we've we've got to stop letting that happen. So th- that's my only suggestion is get someone who's going to continue to fight for your product to be on these big networks, which they are, but also the ones who are going to fight for expansion so your team can be in a year in and year out can be part of the playoff. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, do we want to get to the big game that we're doing or where do you want to anything else you want to move to? No, no, let's uh, we, we can do that. Um, so. Before we start, I want to give absolute full 100% credit to um, Josh Pate and uh, 24-7 Sports, who has an awesome podcast. We cannot recommend that enough. Um, And he came up with an idea about a week ago or less than a week ago, and there was just no way that I couldn't steal it. Um, It's the same thing we've done with Athlon Sports' Ultimate Road Trip, which we'll be doing later on in the summer. Um, But essentially what Josh did is he went through about – you see, I mean, you're here. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There's he he did twelve, but we've added two two additional things, um, fourteen different elements or concepts about what a per, what a ideal program could be. Um, and so Spencer and I thought this would be a cool idea, and so we're going to go through those fourteen items, and here are those fourteen items, and, and like I said, we'll go through them one by one, and just kind of talk about why we picked what we picked. Um, first, or so we'll go head coach. Fan culture, student section, fan loyalty, stadium environment, player entrance, fight song, campus, end zone design, midfield logo, color scheme, company that makes their jerseys. And Spencer, I forgot. I don't know if I told you this one or not, and but it'll be easy for you to pick. Best on-campus tradition. Um. Meaning, like an an event that occurs only on game days at this campus, or during the game, or before the game, or after the game, something along those lines. Um. So, I mean, let me ask you this, Spencer, before we dive in. Like, was was this hard for you? Well, I think the only difficult part is you didn't want to pick exactly what Josh picked because Josh was building a a super program, so he was trying mm-hmm. to take what he thought was the best thing from whatever university in terms of all these things. So obviously head coach, if we get started, Josh Pate went Alabama and went Nick Saban as his head coach for his super program. Uh, So I try not to, I try not to pick everything exactly the same, but I also was trying to stay in the mind of super program and sort of taking the best of what college football had to offer in each one of these categories. So that was that part of it was sort of like, all right, well, where do I not want to go on certain areas? And some places I just couldn't say, I just couldn't deny it was kind of like, well, if I'm trying to do it in terms of a super program and the best, yeah, I still like with like with head coach, I, I went Alabama and, and Nick Saban. I mean, so, okay, so before we dive into that, and that's fine, I, I kind of had so I actually found myself only agreeing, I thought I was going to agree with two, two things, um, from Josh, but I didn't agree with a lot of other stuff. Um, the, one of them, there was just, there's just no denying, um, one of them. And we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. Um, but for me, the, the hardest things was the differentiation between fan culture, fan loyalty, stadium environment. Yeah. Those Those were the three, because, because for me, culture, culture is what your fans expect fan and you know, how, how fans treat yeah, because I don't I don't look at the zeitgeist of Twitter like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't look at that as a way of, oh, these are good fans like or social media in general. I don't look at that at all as a way to do this. I go, OK, what do fans expect? What, what are they what are they wanting? What do they go after? Um, where do they see themselves in, in the, you know, in the echelon uh, tier of college football fan loyalty for me is how willing are you to stick around with your coach, with players, with what you have, how 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 much how how flexible are you, uh, you know, within within your program and what the expectations are to what you actually get on the field? Does that make sense? To, to does that make sense? So you're 
you're talking about from obviously from the fan perspective. Yes, because because the for me stadium environment was pretty clear. Like stadium environment is what is it like during a game? Fan culture and fan loyalty is not during the game; it's outside of the game. Right. For, for, for me, that's how I distinguished it. Program perceptions, kind of deal. Yes. Yes. But does that make sense of how it I does. ordered that? Okay. All right. Um, okay. So let's let's dive in. All right, head coach, you you pick Saban. Go ahead. Why? Well, I mean, if you're if you're again with the idea of super program, the best of the best, everybody's chasing Nick Saban. Every and if if you can get his perspective, his idea, his results oriented uh, mindset or non results oriented mindset, his process oriented mindset going which is what Kirby has, which is what a lot of other places have. Um, and Billy Napier's trying to put it together at Florida, wherever else they're trying to put it together. Um, he's the one that's pulled it off the best. And so I've gone, uh, if, you know, again, super program, the best of the best. There's nobody better than Nick Saban right now. Even if he's getting longer in the tooth and his time is almost up, he's still the best ever to do it. So it sort of was easy peasy at that point. Yeah, it, for me, I didn't pick – I didn't pick Saban, but it has nothing to do outside of what you just said because it, he is the best. He's the greatest. He, I, I think he's the greatest football coach of all time. I understand people will knock him for the NFL bit, but I, I, I just don't. Um, and that's just fine. That's that's my that's my prerogative. Um, however, him being in the being the age that he is was my biggest concern because if I'm going to have someone lead a program. And if I don't know where he's going to be, if I don't, if I don't think Saban is going to be the coach at Bama in five years, I'm probably not going to pick him to be the head of my program. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. Until about an hour before we recorded, I've had Dabo here the whole time. No, you uh, haven't. I'm stop lying. I'm serious. No, I, had Dab- I, I, I don't did. believe that. I don't believe I it. I don't believe it. I had Dabo. I, don't, I mean, I don't care if you don't believe me. I'm glad I don't care if you don't believe me. I I don't <laughs> believe you. Dabo was the one that I picked, and he, and here's why. Because Dabo has continued to win even after winning a title. He has continued to win. Like, he, he had one bad season. <laughs> like, he, he's had literally, like, this past season was his one bad season that he's had since, like, since the playoff really, since his whole playoff run in 16 or 15 started. And he has just constantly been there, been there, been there. He's won two titles. He has continued to be in the the running for for this. However... What I didn't realize or what I didn't think about was how much he's against the current culture of NIL and transfer portal. Mm-hmm. And when you when you put that in pers- in perspective, that is one of the most important things that's going to be going on in, in college football moving forward. And if you have a coach who's kind of anti the, these movements, like that's a problem. And for me, being, I guess, the AD in the situation or with the president, whatever the crap I am, I want a coach who is going to buy into these to these these current culture movements that are going on so it doesn't cause a rift or cause a problem or keep us from getting certain players because he doesn't want to push for them to get paid or, you know, he doesn't want to allow them to transfer. You know, just things that you and I have already talked about. Right. But but when we're talking about uh, that, I mean, I have to be honest, when we're talking about Dabo just as a football coach, a CEO – Man, outside of outside of Saban, there is no one better. Like, there's just not. But again, when we're talking about building programs moving forward, it, it I, I do think things are going to start catching up to him. And so that's whenever that's whenever I changed my mind, and I, and I did put Kirby down. Um, but I will say this: I am hesitant with Kirby because now that Kirby's won a title, what happens? Like Jimbo won one. The next year he gets to the gets the playoff again because he continues to have that incredible team, um, you know, in that incredible quarterback, you know, Jameis Winston and offense. But then they get shellacked by Oregon. But ever since then, I mean, he hasn't really been there until last year. Was it last year two, or two seasons ago when they finished fifth? And no one really thought that he, they were getting in anyway. My point is, is that I do have a concern about Kirby. Of what now? Now that you've won, what now? With, but if I'm looking at recruiting, if I'm looking at who buys into the culture, if I look at who, who someone who is going to give all he has to recruiting to NIL to being courteous to the transfer portal, like or and just also a great X's and O's coach, I'm gonna go Kirby Smart. So I don't hate it. Um, all right, uh, fan culture. Where are you going on culture of the fan base of your program? 
Ohio State. I don't hate it. Um, Ohio State, they expect to be in the playoff every year. They give, as a culture outside of, like, the, the perception they have their, of their program is that they are a top four program every year. They are a top four program every year. I mean, <laughs> if they if they win that game against Michigan, which was an awesome game, they're playing in the Big Ten title. They're probably going to win, and then they're going to go on to the playoff as well. Um, but all that being said, when I when I think of what I want my fan base to think of themselves, I want them to think that they are winners year in and year out. And Ohio State does that as good as anybody. And also, when I'm looking at fan culture, the fan culture, they will give every ounce of money that they can to make sure that they have the best of sense coaches, they have the best they have the best facilities, they have everything across the board. And I I, I just I thought Ohio State was a great a great choice. So uh, we had one rule about not using the same school more than twice. Yes. So I'm going to go ahead and use that up. I went with Alabama's fan culture for very similar reasons. Makes sense, yeah. Uh, they give a lot of money. But I also like the idea that they've been with Nick Saban for a long time now, and maybe there's a culture within the boosters as well who could, you could also consider fans, like you mentioned, giving money, who they're sort of used to their role as, uh, you know, as – is this is what we're we're givers and these this is the access we have, but we don't go over the line like they do with our little brother in South Alabama. You know, we we don't go, we're not going to be an issue uh, from a booster standpoint. The culture of the boosters is really strong. We give a lot of money. We stay in our place. We don't get too crazy with what we want and think our access is to the game plan and the playbook and you know the plays that are going to be run on Saturday. But just like you mentioned, the fan base is there. The fan base is great. Um, I know Nick Saban gets after the fans from time to time for leaving blowouts too early, but I think there's a part of me that likes that arrogance Yeah, from my nope. fan base yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Because uh, I think the fan base could certainly look back at Nick Saban and say, well, why don't you schedule you know better opponents week in and week out to come into town? We don't leave early when it's Texas A&M. We don't leave early when it's you know, when it's those big time matchups. So we uh we stick around. You give us this one or two weekends where we uh where we get to go and, and, and party and have fun and still be supportive of the program from a distance. And I'm sure the uh, the traffic online is very heavy for uh for all of the uh, Alabama fans. So yeah, uh from that fan culture from that standpoint, yes, uh Alabama I think is is a good choice. And it feels like you we've got two R two now. Are there how many more other fan cultures would you say could be usable in this spot? You don't have to give an exact number, but um, is well, it about you know another ten or another you know twelve, yeah, thirteen? I, I think for me there there was a vast array of cultures that I, I did think about get uh, grabbing. In fact, like I kind of went off the off the beaten path here in a minute on fan loyalty um, because I think the I think that this fan culture at this school would have been really good too. Um, I, but there were some like, can you give me like two or three like really quick that you were just like, nope, not choosing them. So part of me was playing around with like Tennessee mm-hmm. and the and the fact that like Tennessee will will absolutely drag somebody through the mud because they love their program so much and feel so so passionately about not wanting somebody to be their coach with the whole Greg Schiano deal. Mm-hmm. But then I thought, you know, that's probably a little too toxic. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if I could take all of the good things from that and leave the toxic things behind. So, I want my fan base ahead, to know yeah. their. I want people to know their place, like like with with <laughs> the Alabama, place boy, <laughs> yeah, with with the Alabama boosters. Yeah. You know that idea of we we give our money, but this is where we stay. This is our lane, and I, I feel like if you go after Tennessee, they're they're rabid at, to the point where they you know it's gotten out of control there. For me, the three that I was not going to touch, Tennessee. Auburn and Michigan. Yeah, Auburn for sure. Those those were the three fan cultures that I had no desire to talk to, uh, or talk or, or even consider. Um, all right, student section. I, I, I this is the one that I kept. Or no, this isn't the. I didn't keep this one the same. Um, but what was your student section? I went with A and M on student <laughs> section. I did too. Yeah, I like. The, the thing that the guys do, I don't know what it's called, whatever the the yells, uh, the the yell. yells. <laughs> yeah, all of that stuff seems pretty cool and very unique, and it seems like a big thing for the student section. So uh, I went with A&M from a uh, student section standpoint. Same. I have nothing to add. Like, it's just one of the coolest things ever. The fact that 
the night before the night before every game at like midnight they are practicing their screams like like i just i think it's dope all right uh fan loyalty where did you go for fan loyalty all right you i don't know if everybody listening will will understand this but i think you will iowa state was my fan loyalty all right they will regardless if i am 10 and 2 or 7 and 5 they are going to have my back they are going to want me or they're going to want my coach there because they're going to trust that this coach is going to lead them um that that i have hired the right coach um because that's exactly what i i would say does like they are that you do not hear them boo you do not hear like you do not hear anything going on as far as negative headlines with iowa state well if you listen to pat 40 maybe the lying about their water um but in ames iowa but all in all i, I just think man when i think of fan loyalty man just fan base that's going to stick with their team regardless if they are if they've got number one teams on the ropes or if they're uh um oh uh, Crab muffin. The uh, I got a text and I get got distracted. Whether they're doing great or whether they're doing mediocre, Iowa State fans come out in droves for every single game. And, and like I'm just thinking of like especially ever since Matt Campbell's been there, I'm thinking of every time they've gone up against a big opponent at home, regardless if they've got a winning record or a losing record. Man, that fan that that stadium is rocking, and they are giving they're giving their team the, everything they have. And that's just kind of what I wanted out of out of my fans. Yeah, so I stuck with Josh here, and I kept it with Nebraska. Yeah, um, I, I, think, sort of. I think that's a great answer. Well, and, and it feels like they've got, um, you know, right along the lines of what you're – and, I mean, they've, they've been forever and ever now not – I mean, it's been since the 90s that they were really, really competitive, um, well, that, you know, that Alabama-style competitive. I would say that 2003 team with the Dominican Sioux, what, what, what year was that? Um. You know what I'm talking about. That I, I just I, I don't want to make it only the '90s because I would say that Indomkin Sioux team was, was that won the Big Twelve was pretty awesome. But but I would say yeah, and I guess I just mean from an overall standpoint. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. That, they've that, not been able yeah. to sustain things, and uh, they've been competitive, yes. But here, as of late, things have been frustrating. These last set, many years have been frustrating. Moving conferences when they probably didn't want to, uh, from a fan base perspective, they still come out. Uh, fill that place up. I think I like the loyalty of uh, of Nebraska. Two thousand nine, he was at, he was on the Nebraska team in two thousand nine. Yeah, he's been like, in the league for a while. Well, I just meant like I thought it was like two thousand three, two thousand four. Whenever he was at um, Nebraska, but it was actually oh, yeah, no. it was actually two thousand. He graduated in oh nine, so it's not as bad. It's th- still thirteen years, but dang. Um, but no, dude. I, I when when Josh said that, it made complete sense to me because the exact same reason why I'm saying for Iowa State, like I don't want. I don't want a fan base that I, I don't know how to put this in a, in a good way. Um, I want a fan base that is going to be loyal and going to have the teams back and going to be supportive of the, co- the coach and the program. Even if they go to, even if they go a decade of just being up and down, you know? Um, but yeah. Okay. Stadium environment. I, I, Go ahead, Spencer. I'll let you have this one first. I went to LSU for stadium environment. I feel like uh, Death Valley at night is always such a big thing, um, always such a you know a staple that anybody when when they talk about scheduling games and you ask, well, wh- what time is the Auburn game or what time is the LSU game this week? Oh, they're bringing Florida to town at night. Oh yeah, that that's where you want to be. I think they've even registered themselves on on. Uh, on seismographs there at uh, at LSU. So stadium environment definitely sounds like it needs to be Baton Rouge. You maybe even get a little bit of voodoo in the air, uh, and that's always good for college football. Uh, I, I, same thing. Like th- that was there. That was a no brainer for me. Stadium environment was LSU with without question. Um, I I was present in the t- um, on the I think it was like September two thousand three. Uh, when Georgia played at LSU, and it was a nail-biter, and Georgia got their hearts broken, unfortunately. Um, got got beat on a, like, I think there was like a minute left, and they got beat on a last-few-minute touchdown to, to lose the game. Because um, 
you know i'm not gonna play that out but anyway it was one of the it was one of the coolest college experiences fan experiences i've ever been to they are they are it is as nuts as it is and that was just an lsu georgia game i can't even imagine what an lsu bama game looks like so state of environment is is lsu day or night they are nuts um player entrance okay so i really did i thought long and hard about this one um this was one of the harder ones for me to pick but dude i i picked miami <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because I people. Are you serious? Oh my gosh, guys! We all we did was say, "Hey, we want to do this." We made we made two rule. We made a rule. We added one. We added uh, these two things on the end, and we did not discuss anything else. Well, I did tell you what my color scheme was going to be, but um, I <laughs> that's that's amazing. That's, was there anybody else in the running, or was it really just kind of players? Well, which yeah, is I, for you. I went with. I certainly thought about sticking with Virginia Tech, the the interesting oh, man. Yeah, uh, Josh's uh, choice was Virginia Tech, and that's certainly very much part of the cream of the crop uh, there at the top. Um, I did think about Howard's Rock and running down for yep. for Clemson, but that always makes me nervous that somebody's going to tear something. Yep. I guess they haven't torn anything up to this point. No notable players have torn anything going down uh, the hill at, at Clemson, but still makes me nervous uh, that something would end up happening. Uh, so Clemson was certainly there. I was trying to, and obviously I've not been to a ton of games, so there might be some other really cool entrances that I'm not aware of. Oklahoma has all of their, uh, their, you know, the wagon that rolls them out. There is the kid or not the kid, but the mascot at Colorado, the, the, the Buffalo. Yeah. The Buffalo that runs them out onto the field. That's, that's pretty cool as well. The, the three that, the three that stood out to me was FSU's Tomahawk Chop. Um, uh, the, uh, Oh, Samola. Yeah. Um, the, oh, the second one was Hawaii because they do a haka before they start. Yeah. And then the third one, and, and I, I am not kidding. I almost picked it because it was another smoke entrance, but East Carolina's Purple Haze. If, oh, you, get, nice. if you get a chance, you should go look at that um, because it's freaking cool. The, uh, the Undertaker just retired from pro wrestling, and I was always a big pro wrestling fan, and uh, smoke for The Undertaker was a – was a big deal, and uh, obviously the lights going out and the purple, uh, the purple uh, lights that would turn on and such. But uh, the smoke from the Undertaker, the smoke from Miami coming out, and that was—I uh, I won't say a no-brainer, but it certainly was the uh, was the the tipping point for me picking <laughs> Miami and their and their entrance. It might not be anything overly special, but uh, when you watch it and you know the, coming through the smoke is pretty cool. For fight song, I wasn't going to pretend here to know a bunch of other people's fight songs. I think <laughs> uh, USC was the chosen fight song there for Josh Pate, and when he played it, it certainly sounded pretty cool. Uh, we don't have any audio for you here necessarily to be played, but I will. Uh, I'll cheat a little bit here, and I'm gonna stay home. We'll take my VSU alumni uh, punching that ticket here on this one, and uh, I'll take VSU's fight song for my Blazers. Okay, I, you know what, man, I I don't hate that. Um, for for me, it was Notre Dame. I I think Notre Dame has an incredible fight song. Um, just did you even think about picking Georgia's? Because I I did. Yeah, because I mean I'm familiar with it. I know what it sounds yeah. like. But and that was part of the other reason. Well, I've already got fight song. I think I went ahead and just filled that one because I was sort of having trouble filling other spots. Yeah. So I I sort of filled that one quickly with. I just kind of chalked it yeah, up. To, yes, you, yeah. I don't know any other fight songs really and truly, so I'm just going to stick with the one that I know. Yeah, no, no, I get it. I it, it was it was between Notre Dame or Michigan for me. Um, USC's is really good too, by the way. Uh, okay, campus. So campus for me, um, Josh Pate picked picked Georgia. Um, I, I think it's a gorgeous campus. And I've only I've only like I've been to other stadiums, but I've only like walk the campus at like maybe three or four different schools but for me man like one of the most beautiful campuses i've ever experienced is usc like the coliseum the sunset like just everything about it was just so majestic and like i was just in awe walking that campus and and so for, for me it, it was usc and i didn't really have to think much about it you know i sort of and again, because I've not been on a ton of different yeah, campuses, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it, I get it. Uh, I sort of went with like a campus type town type deal or yeah. slash town. Uh, but even as you're saying that, and I've sort of what for whatever reason it's popped into my head. I know App State has a lot of really pretty mm -hmm. 
mm. um, uh, pretty shots on the internet of like where their baseball field is and where their football field is. And if that's kind of the, you know, a, a look of what the rest of the campus is like and what is surrounding the rest of the campus, I think App State would probably be a nice selection here. But uh, I ended up going Madison, Wisconsin. I always hear Madison, Wisconsin is a really cool place to be. Um, not just maybe the campus necessarily, but the town itself is a really fun place. Uh, SVP used to brag on Madison, Wisconsin a lot. So um, Madison is where I ended up with this one. No, I I mean, I have Wisconsin for one of mine uh, coming up. So, no, that's great. All right. What about, okay, you, you, get, you got this one. Sorry. So for mascot, I stayed home uh, for mascot. I don't think, um, you know, Josh mentioned in his breakdown, he picked Bevo from uh, from Texas. Uh, the big cow, the steer that they have. And he mentioned that they have to sedate the thing before they take it out there. I feel like that should lose you points. I don't know yeah. why, but I feel like that should lose you points. If your animal can't keep its cool yeah, uh, while everybody's freaking out around it on its own, then I I don't know what – I don't. I feel like that loses you points. Now, I don't know all the ins and outs for Ugga. But no, uh, uh, Ugga's sound, the best mascot. There, yeah, there's, so there's no conversation. Yeah. So I believe it. I believe this goes to Ugga, clear and easy. It's not just Ugga. Ugga. It's what? What are we on? Ugga eight at this point. You know, there's Ugga a national long, champion, national yep. championship. Ugga. There you go. So there's <laughs> a, a long line of the bulldog name for the University of Georgia. Uh, I like Ugga. He's always decked out. He's got his uh, doghouse. He roams the sidelines. He's biting Auburn players, trying Only, to. Only mascot in the country that has its own cemetery. There you go. Only only mascot in the country. Um, nice. Uh, so Bebo did try to pick a fight with him too. By the way, yeah, yeah, he don't. he would have lost. Knock if you buck, dog. All right. Um, so in zone design, I was surprised by my answer because originally I thought it was going to be I thought it'd be Notre Dame. The the simple just lines across, um, or um. You know, I thought I thought it would be I don't know. I, just, I thought it'd be some obscure team, but actually, I'm I love the Tennessee checker design. I love it. I think it's awesome. I would love to see it in my color scheme of the team that I picked. Um, give me give me Tennessee's end zone checkered specifically checkered design. Does Navy not have the 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 slash marks in their in their end zone too? What does Navy do in their end zone? Um, I think doesn't it just say hey we fight for your country. Like, doesn't it just say something like that? I don't know, I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't know. Hold on. Let me see. Yeah, see if you can pull that up. I'm going to see if I – because I, I had Navy written down thinking they did the dash marks, but maybe it's Notre Dame that I want. Navy has checkers. Okay. So I wrote it down incorrectly. It's Notre Dame that I wanted, uh, so I had it written down as Navy. But the checkered idea is really cool, mm -hmm. um, but I don't feel comfortable uh, selecting Tennessee for anything. And so, <laughs> you know what? I'm changing mine too to Navy because I, I didn't realize that I didn't realize that Navy had checkered as well. So yeah, we're gonna say the Navy checkered checkered. Very very good. Well, I'm gonna go with with Notre Dame. I'm gonna keep my original idea. Um, no, that's cool. I like. What it. was Josh's here? Oh, Josh's was Tennessee in the checkerboard. No, he, I thought uh, he was which is yeah. No, he went uh, he went Tennessee here. Oh well, then Dad got it. Um, so so yeah, I like the dash marks. I like kind of the different thing. Uh, that you can do there in the end zone. So uh, less is more kind of idea for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, you're up. Midfield logo. I kept uh, the same energy as Josh there with, with LSU. I feel like everybody else, LSU sort of has its own design. That's its own thing in the middle of the field. I don't know if anybody else has anything like that. Oh, buddy. I, yeah, yeah, they do. There's another team that has one. Okay. Go ahead. So most of the other teams I was thinking about have – you know, just the logo at the at the middle of the field. So yeah, LSU's sort of fading tiger eye that sits on the middle of the of the field is a is a pretty cool idea. So I like that one. Uh, maybe it'll be a, a dog eye instead of a a tiger eye. But nonetheless, that's a that's the best midfield logo for me. For me, it, if it like I I think LSU's is cool, but I have been addicted. With this one since I first saw it, since they changed it, I think, in the last uh, decade. Boise State's horse head in the middle of the field is so pretty. It is – like, if you can, you should go look at it. Like, it is It is so good. It is. It is, it is so freaking cool. 
Um, just the way they do the color scheme, the way that it looks it is just so smooth. I, like, I, I just kind of think it in, in a way it, it kind of reminds me of LSU's kind of eye design, but it's the full head. And I just, I just, I've always loved it. So yeah. Trying to see long about it. <laughs> Great podcasting for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, there it is. Yeah, solid enough. All right, where are you going for color scheme? I already told you. Oh, well, I haven't. You said already told podcast. me, but you I told didn't you the podcast. Uh, Oregon, because my color scheme can change to anything I want it outside of the, like of the colors of yellow, green, black, silver, white, and gray. <laughs> like I have so many color choices, but also I just I love the green and yellow. I love the green and black. I, that green just is so goes so good with so many of them. Um, and it's almost a lime green, but not quite. Yes. It's yes very absolutely. bright green that works really well. And they darken it from time to time. And it looks really nice. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to go against greens and uh, green and yellow. Uh, orange is obviously a very popular color. A lot of mm-hmm. people have orange, orange and blue. Or uh, yellow is obviously another really popular. Purple and yellow there at LSU is really nice. <laughs> what was it you said <laughs> yesterday we were, or two days ago we were talking about this and I said Oregon State. <laughs> yeah, you said you said you're gonna pick something weird like Oregon State. <laughs> I was like, no, I am picking Oregon though. because uh, like, <laughs> Oregon, like it it is funny. I've had this conversation uh recently because it's because of the commercial during March Madness, but there is a distinct difference between all these oranges. You know, between Texas and Syracuse and uh, Tennessee, and and then and then we look at Oregon's orange, and it's almost like a brown, like a doo doo brown. <laughs> like, dark. well, that's kind of like what Texas is. Texas is burnt that, orange, that burnt orange. Oh yeah, I I hate that orange so much. Uh, even though this year is the Big Twelve, like so every season I try to get a hat or a shirt from a different conference. Um, and this year is the Big Twelve. And so I'm so worried about doing the random the name generator that I do whatever and getting getting Texas because I'm gonna try to find something that doesn't have orange in it. <laughs> Good um, luck. Yeah, I know. Um, okay, so uh, oh, who was yours? Color scheme for you? Well, I uh, I, I exhausted my uh, two limit once more. Uh, I can't go against the the colors that I've, I've I've noticed at different times that I've been nauseated looking at or not not nauseated but I've noticed people walking around in in like Florida gear and just mm. thought why do you, why is that what are you doing and then I've noticed that it's the same thing for for other programs uh, with blue and I've thought what are y'all doing that just I couldn't imagine wearing blue or wearing you know wearing that much blue. The only blue I'm wear, I'm ready to wear is Atlanta Braves blue, and I would prefer more red than blue. Uh, so I've just said to stick with my instincts, stick with my heart. I will stick with the University of Georgia, and we'll we'll stay with red and black, and maybe a little dash of silver here and there, and uh, or gray, uh, perhaps. So uh, give me the University of Georgia. Give me a a red helmet with a black jersey. Oh, I'll be I'll be right as rain. Oh yeah, mm. just. And I know you and I, I don't, I can't remember if we agree on this or not, but those prototype like red pants, the, the red pants and the black pants that they put the the, uh, the recruits in, I would love for a full uniform of either of those, like a full red on red or a full black on black or heck even black with those red pants. Oh my gosh, it'd be so good. Um, but my, my, my thing with, with Georgia and why I didn't pick them is because of the limits it's essentially red, black, and white. Yeah, so I don't, I don't need any of that. You, you're 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 hell bent on having all these options and all this. Yeah. you need to be able to to to. I, I I'm fine with, you know, silver britches and a black jersey and a red helmet, maybe a white helmet that I throw together uh, with white pants and the black jersey. I'm mm-hmm. I'm fine with mm-hmm. having the the combinations. Language, right. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm fine with the color combinations. I can do enough. You've almost got too much going on over there. I kind of want to be able to find all the almost. color schemes that work. Almost. And, and go. I'm, well, for me, I think you've got too much going. No, you know who but has that's, too much. That's me. You know, that's has, you know who has too much going on? You know who has too much going on? Arizona State, Oklahoma State. Those yeah. those two programs have too much going on because they have whoever. Like I know who designs their uniforms. They don't all look great. 
I've yet to find a uniform Oregon has come out with that I didn't like. That's true. And that cookies and cream uniform was dope. I don't care what anybody freaking says. Now, I, I will say the the font that they're using for their numbers is not the best yes. that they've ever nope. had. Yep, absolutely. Them in Florida State sort of have a similar font that I'm not crazy about. Yep. Mm-hmm. But um, but no, yeah. And the the best helmet logo has to go to Oregon with the with yep. the way the the wings go back. Like but that. the wings, or also or also the one where they just have the O on the back of the helmet. Like I I love that too. But yeah. also Boise State was another like their when their helmet logo that has just the 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 horse on the front of it like on both sides of it it takes up almost the whole helmet looks really good um also utah coming in hot last year with the with the different uh uniform designs and helmet designs right yeah they got creative with some... yeah they did um so what company is making your jersey nike i don't nike. understand I, I was kind of confused as to why you wanted to do this but because I'm... because i think does I think anybody for... have does anybody Under... want someone other than nike well because I actually Nike I, makes Oregon's uniforms. Yes, I understand that. But and I did pick Nike. But I wanted to, I was about to say, did you go Under Armour with I really Nike thought but, but Under Armour really has some good uniforms. And Under Armour, like, yes, the problem is not Maryland, or I'm sorry, the problem with Maryland's uniforms is not Under Armour's jerseys. The problem with Maryland is Maryland's horrible color scheme. <laughs> like Well, and they just got too much. They that that I they, get they the, the state logo is or the state flag or whatever it is has a lot of that. Yeah. That just that's a nice idea, but it's just not working. You're, it just, it's not yeah, popping the way that not. you want it to. Just go ahead and move on to something different. I think Under Armour also makes Louisville's uniforms, um, but but Adidas makes Notre Dame's. Um, Maryland and, just needs to go into Mario Kart and get one of those <laughs> one of those sh- turtle shells that you can shoot at each other and wear that as a helmet. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> the silence you hear is, is uh, me right, being right. Okay, I was I I, I need to speak correctly. Uh, Under Armour makes makes um makes Notre Dame's uh, Adidas used to. Uh, currently, Under Armour makes Cincinnati, Notre Dame's, Auburn's, Maryland's, and Utah's uniforms. Um, but no, the, the answer is Nike. I I just I want to give credit to Under Armour who who doesn't do a horrible job now. I know your answer here. What is the best on-campus tradition? So this can be during the game, correct? During a game, before a game, after the game, do not care. Yes, yeah, so we have to go to Iowa's wave to the hospital. I, I knew you were going to say that. That one yeah. is, that is not mine, but it is it is great. Like that is that is a great answer. Just um, before it's before the they quarter. start the third quarter, right? Yeah. Or yeah. Wait, I thought it was before the fourth quarter. Either way. Yes, third quarter or fourth quarter, everybody turns to the hospital that is behind one part of the stadium. Uh, there's a there's a hospital that sits high enough, and like the kids who are in the hot, it's a children's hospital, and they can look and watch the ball game from where they're sitting. And at the beginning of the third or the beginning of the fourth, whichever it is, everybody in the stadium is, uh, is turns to the uh, turns to the to the hospital and waves at the kids watching uh, watching the games. So that's yeah. hard. To, that's hard to beat. No, it is. Um, and and I didn't have I didn't pick one that would beat it. I just pick one that I find to just be so fun, and that's jump around with Wisconsin before the fourth quarter. Yeah, um, with just literally watching the stadium move, not the fans, <laughs> the stadium itself move. And then when it's snowing and they're doing it, and snow's been getting like tossed up, like it's a freaking. A cap and like a cap from a, a graduation the first time that the the jump around comes on like it's just so cool I, and look there are just so many traditions that could have been listed like there was this um there was the the, the kid being waved there's the rose bowl um I, I did think of that too um there's the hawk or the what is it the <laughs> the don't... eagle the eagle oh, I guess. for Auburn yeah for Auburn look we can hate Auburn it's, all we want. it's fine I, yeah no but, it is. That's cool. because I believe that's how they got that Auburn thing is that that there was something about a war eagle during wartime at some yeah. point flying over that area or flying over the area of Auburn or something. It ties back to the history of the state uh, and the history of the of the program. So, yes, it is a it is a really cool thing that they do. History of being number two all the time. Um, uh, like I also was thinking of the the un the uncovering of the, the Gamecock at South Carolina. 
Um, I don't know. There, there was just a bunch of different things that I thought about, or the rambling wreck, um, all that stuff. But I just thought those were. I thought yeah. this was really cool. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say there was another. It doesn't happen during the game, or it doesn't happen before the game, or after the game. It happens during the week. Uh, the blue field of Boise State. They have to go pick up the dead ducks off of the field because the ducks fly into the field. <laughs> that's that's a really cool one. I can't. I can't believe. I can't believe you said that one. Well, I, I still have Boise State from the midfield logo search on Google. I still have them sitting here, and so. There's a picture of everybody down on the field not picking up ducks, but they were they're down on the field doing whatever, and oh, it, made man, me, it made me think of the blue field and the ducks, those poor ducks that sacrificed their life. That is um, all right. That that, that is fantastic. Thank you, thank you for saying that. You're welcome. I'll be here all week. Yes, you will. All right. Anything else to uh, to add? Um, I just, this is a dumb dumb thing to make mention of, but I'm going to be petty for a second. It has nothing to do with what we were just talking about. Through the first 48 games of their tenure, um, Kevin Sumlin was 34-14, and 14, zero SEC titles, three bowl wins, one win against Alabama. Jimbo Fisher, first 48 games, 34-14, zero SEC titles, three bowl wins, one win against Alabama. I think, and I that think that one win against Alabama. Go ahead. Sorry. No. Uh, well, all I was going to say is, I think, I think we need to stop putting the cart before the horse with this whole Jimbo is definitely going to win it this year or next year with the this number one class that he's brought in because I, I just don't know if I trust him. But that, that's that's all I was going to say. But you go ahead. Um, I agree, and he's in a difficult spot. He's in the same difficult spot that Kevin Sumlin was in because you're still having to compete. And now you got to compete with Brian Kelly in LSU. There's no telling what that's going to look like. There's there's no guarantee that Auburn stays being uh, absolutely ridiculous the way that they are. Uh, now, it could happen, but there's no guarantee. Uh, you still have Arkansas and Ole Miss that are on the rise. So for me and Jimbo Fisher, it's always been not always been, but it has been that you're just in a in a wildly difficult spot. Because even if you go and beat Alabama, which they did, they still didn't get a chance to play for the SEC championship because they yep. had to go through everybody else because you stub a toe against Auburn, you stub a toe against Ole Miss. And obviously having the best players is how Alabama gets through that gauntlet, and it's how LSU has gotten through it, and it's how Auburn has gotten through it at, at times. So that's obviously the first step to doing it is to getting through all of that. Jimbo Fisher does have the national championship underneath his belt, so that does where some of that comes from. But um, I mean, and then and then there's that history of the number one recruiting class has always won a championship, or having the number one recruiting class is one of those boxes that gets checked off for uh, making that run. But no, I agree. I, I don't have. I don't. There's no guarantees for Jimbo Fisher. That thing could be wiped away here because of the road that he's got to compete against. And then there's the thing that Bud Elliott always harps on is. Is he going to open up his offense enough? Mm-hmm. Uh, say what you want about Stetson Bennett, but he, when we asked him to throw the football down the field at Georgia, he did it, and he did it well. And it all it was, and then I mean, with as good as the defense was this last go around, he had the one throw down the field to to Ad Mitchell for the touchdown. That was about the only throw down the field that he had to make all game long. He he made another one early in the game, but that was about it. Can Jimbo Fisher go out and get? You know, even just the one play down the field, maybe might have the horses yeah. to do it. But but is he going to do it? Is he going to be in that position to go get that play? Who knows? Yeah, I like I. I'm just sitting here, and and look, you you brought a good point, and I've 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 read that stat before, and I, I should I need to not forget it. But in, it's like the last 15, 20 years, teams that end up with a number one recruiting class go on to win a national title within that four year span of that class. Um, but if you're going to make me bet money of which coach is going to not achieve that, it's going to be Jimbo for me. Well, I think and, there's a lot of people who are on, who are on the same page with you. There's like, a, and, and this is not going to be, I don't want to make this sound like some anti AM or anti Jimbo rant, but it, I mean, in a way it kind of is because like, it's great that you're competitive. It is. 
It is great that you're competitive. It was a great win. I don't know how you won that game last year. Um, but going into this upcoming season, I'm not expecting AM to be to to win the West. Like I, I this sounds awful, and you can talk me off the sledge as the season as the you know as the summer goes on. But I actually may have more faith in LSU and the talent they have returning and the talent they have there with Brian Kelly than I do Jimbo Fisher at AM. Mm. I mean, I don't hate that. But but that's all I got. We we can talk more about that next week. Uh, did you have uh, Kansas winning the NCAA bracket there? I did not. Basketball? I did Who not. Did you I, have winning? I had Texas Tech. Uh, I had Texas Tech beating Duke. Man, that was a good game. Um, Duke barely got through, but I had Texas Tech winning because I was like, you know, because I I heard that they were the whole ball change thing. You hear about that? That story about the ball changing thing that they did? Nope. They they literally changed the ball like the week of the the style the the ver- like the a different version of the ball a basketball that they've been playing with all season most of the teams did not touch that ball until the week of the tournament and so i <laughs> i picked and that's why that's why i believe shooting percentages were so low this year the scores of games were so low early on and so i just i bought into texas a&m's elite defense or i'm sorry texas tech's elite defense and um them running but i was definitely wrong but man what a great it was a great march madness it really yep. was a lot of fun. All right, my friend. Uh, two friends, one love. That is college football. Uh, Robbie is on uh, Twitter there, SpiderDude64. You can catch me, Spencer underscore VanHorn, V-A-N-H-O-R-N, uh, there on Twitter. So uh, be sure to uh, like, rate, review, and subscribe. We'll catch you on the flip-flop later. Later.